This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. How threatening is internal fraud? A new ITA research report says it's more damaging than many financial services companies realize. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Julie McNelly, a senior analyst with ITA Group and author of the new ITA report, Internal Fraud, The Devil Within. Julie, ITA releases the results from its internal fraud survey today. For purposes of this financial services study, how does ITA define internal fraud? As the research report notes, internal fraud comprises a wide range of criminal behavior perpetrated by employees or contractors. Teresa, we divide it into three broad categories. Internal fraud includes someone that is stealing from a customer, someone that is abusing their position, um, which is more minor, it's forgiving fees for themselves or a family, and then people that are stealing from the financial institution itself. Now, what are some of the overarching themes of the survey where internal fraud trends and internal controls are concerned? There's there's really three overarching themes. The, The first is that internal fraud is today a significant issue and will continue to be so um, into the foreseeable future. Uh, Understanding the scope of internal fraud is a challenge for financial institutions because the legacy systems that many of them rely upon don't accurately track the fraud. And then the lack of prosecution is a challenge for the industry. Um, Obviously, financial institutions don't want to be in the headlines every other week prosecuting their employees for fraud but that leads to the, the issue that the perpetrators are you know, free to go and continue perpetrating fraud at other financial institutions. Now, in the report, Internal Fraud, the Devil Within, you based the survey on 35 fraud and product executives at North American financial institutions, and you conducted this survey between November and December. Now, the survey found that institutions rarely seek legal action, which you've noted earlier, and I guess they're more concerned about reputational damage. But how damaging is internal fraud when it comes to an institution's reputation, and is the lack of prosecution or legal action actually fueling the fraud? Well, financial institutions build their brand on trust. So the banks and credit unions don't want to appear in the headlines every other week uh, with some report of an employee that has perpetrated fraud against them or against their customers. That said, these people will continue to perpetrate their fraud and they will jump from institution to institution, and we discussed some of that within the report. Um, the industry has adopted mechanisms to deal with this. Uh, there, there are databases that track some of the individuals involved, but if a bank or credit union isn't a participant in these databases, then they are susceptible to these folks that are just uh, job hopping and perpetrating fraud along the way. And would these be databases that are overseen by any type of association, or is it just something that's handled bank to bank, credit union to credit union? Well, there's one in particular that was uh, sponsored by BITS and uh, is run by a private company, Early Warning Services, and uh, that seems to be the uh, the focal point of the industry's efforts today. There are 30 large financial institutions that participate in it, um, but you know, there's upwards of 9,000 financial institutions in the country, so that leaves a lot of financial institutions that uh, that don't have the benefit of that database. Sure. And when we talk about internal fraud, how prevalent is this type of fraud relative to other fraud financial institutions are currently facing? Well, the report found that, on average, internal fraud represents 4% of financial institutions' recorded losses. 
Um, however, a number of institutions reported that internal fraud made up as much as 10% of their total losses. So 10% of total losses is pretty substantial. And the interesting thing was that the folks that were saying that internal fraud was 10% of their losses tended to be those that had more sophisticated uh, case management solutions in place that allow them to better track their fraud. They also have more sophisticated employee monitoring solutions in place, which allow them to better catch their fraud. So, you know, one of the, the conclusions I came to in the report is that four you percent know, is probably a low number, and those that have the more advanced technology are actually finding the fraud that and recording the fraud that probably exists in most of the other institutions. And those that have the more sophisticated technology, do you think they're catching all the fraud that's going on, or is some still slipping through the cracks? Some is absolutely still slipping through the cracks. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's very difficult to say that you are always catching all of the fraud because fraudsters are very creative and they figure out ways around defenses as soon as the defenses are raised. And I can imagine someone who's inside the organization probably has a better idea of how to, to slip through those cracks than someone on the outside. Depending on their position, potentially, although the, the, the technologies are pretty sophisticated themselves. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they're catching a significant amount of the fraud, but I just I don't think you could ever say it's catching all the fraud. And why, Julie, is internal fraud such a problem? Why do you see it growing? Are institutions just not doing a good enough job of screening employees during the hiring process? Well, internal fraud tends to grow during times of recession. As people get financial pressures put upon them, they, they tend to do things that, that they might not do otherwise. There's two issues. Um, organized crime is increasingly realizing that you know, planting people in institutions or coercing or bribing people that are in positions of trust is a great way to get access to personal information, confidential information. Um, in terms of what the the, uh, the financial institutions are doing during the hiring process, you know, background screening is a great tool, and you know, I think it could be more effectively deployed at a lot of institutions by you know, doing things like repeating uh, credit checks on a yearly basis or on, on a periodic basis, just to make sure that there's no lifestyle changes that could be ind indicative of somebody that is becoming under financial pressure might be in a, in a different place in their life. Um, but as I said earlier, it, prosecution and lack of prosecution is also an issue because if somebody is not prosecuted when they have perpetrated uh, fraud at, a, at another institution, that won't show up on a background check. Right, as you've noted earlier. And you've talked a little bit about some of the steps that financial institutions are taking to help detect and prevent internal fraud. But overall, what are you seeing them do? Are they working with groups? Are they trying to train other employees to perhaps blow the whistle, if you will, if they notice fraudulent behavior? You know, that there is some of that training. and some, you know, Policies and procedures definitely help, and, and a lot of folks have that in place. Um, you know, technology solutions can really help, but technology solutions can be you know, more expensive as you get into the smaller institutions. So it's really, you know, depending on the size of the institution, it's applying a layering approach. Um, you know, bringing you know, everybody pretty much does background screens of one form or another because you know, reg regulations demand it. But looking at what you're looking at in those background screens, can they be more effective? Uh, things like the negative database, which is accessible to any financial institution. Um, you know, why wouldn't you inquire into something like that? Um, and then in terms of the, the monitoring solutions, which are so valuable, it, it's a matter of if you're a smaller institution, 
figuring out how you can get access to it through your core banking system or something like that so that uh, you can do it in an affordable way, but you can still protect yourself because fraud will go where the guard dog is the smallest or where there is no guard dog at all. And in closing, Julie, what recommendations can you offer financial institutions about curbing internal fraud trends based on the research you've conducted? Well, first, institutions need to understand how they're classifying their fraud. It's tough to fight a problem if you don't know how big it is, and I think the the research found that a number of institutions really aren't sure how big their issue is because of the classification issue. Um, Then once you do understand the scope and the size of the problem, there are a lot of solutions out there, both technology-based and policy and procedure-based, to address the issue. And so it's a matter of taking that layered approach, not relying on just any one mechanism to prevent the fraud, but layering the approach so that you can catch as much as you possibly can. Great. I want to thank you again for your time today, Julie. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Julie McNally, a senior analyst with ITE. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.bankinfosecurity.com.